Rodgers almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Fashion Final Jay Sam Jones with you. Sir Patrick is over there. He's from 92.9 The Game and Dirty Cell Soccer. I'm from MLSsoccer.com, aka The Mothership. And I'm from a place where May has been a very, very bad month. Please make it stop. Please, 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 please. Everything sports hurts. Everything maybe real life hurts too. I don't know. I can't I can't figure out where the sports hurt ends and the real life hurt. Oh no. Starts. <laughs> so, so let's talk to Lane United then, de- man. De- yeah, de- let's do it. Definitely feels like the low point of the season and maybe the low point since since like sometime shortly before Gabriel Heinze got fired, perhaps. Um, ah, yeah. This, I'm not, try- I'm not trying a to fun, allude. A fun topic I'm we're going to no, no, hit on harder oh no, later. Oh no. Oh no. Isn't that fun? Uh, I think Yay. these are, personally, I think these are totally different situations but yeah i mean i think from the fan base i think that's how fans feel just in having talked to some people over the last couple of days um i wanted to reflect sam on our text conversation that happened at around 6 30 p.m saturday night where i said some of this we can't say on the on, no, on the show no zellerion for columbus oh yeah. uh, they better win <laughs> yeah and of course they didn't it just goes to show you know as bad as columbus has been this year and especially just on the current run of form they are then without Zellerion and still to lose. I mean, you can't really overstate how how bad the loss was, this loss was. I mean, they should have been taking these three points, and it's pretty devastating that they didn't. Joe Patrick in twenty twenty, how many how many away wins did the Columbus Crew Soccer Club, as they were called at the time, have over under point five? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I guess it's probably under isn't it it's under they had yeah, zero zero they had yeah, zero in wow. 2020 they won mls cup but they did not have a single away win that's uh, wild in the regular season um god what, what was it last year I'm, i can't remember year by year i know that this was the fifth road win for them so this is like historic the end of 2019 them. this is like historic <laughs> for them yeah exactly this was huge oh my gosh. They, they had won once in their last 10 uh, they had lost to Detroit City FC in the U.S. Open Cup a little bit ago. Uh, they were really, really, really struggling, and they were missing their their best player. And it didn't matter because they scored early, and that was the whole game. That was the whole game. I hate to say it, but for as much as I kind of thought Atlanta United would win the game just because when you look at the teams and you see the talent disparity that Atlanta has and I think that's one reason fans are so upset this weekend you know it's not that surprising that they were able to do this just because it's the same issues plaguing Atlanta United that cropped up in this game which is the set piece obviously and for it to happen in the first minute is devastating because it allows Columbus then to just sit in a defensive posture um, basically for the entire game. And then obviously to lose a player during that sequence too, which we're going to talk about just adds to another kind of conundrum that Atlanta United's been facing this year with the injuries. And then, yeah, it just gets thrown out of whack. So every, basically you expected them to win, but then all the things that have led them to losses so far this season occurred again in this game. And, um, you know, they've been touting this unbeaten record that they have at home <laughs> and they have certainly played, you know, 
some some of their better games at home this year. But, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, a slap of reality in the, to the face, this game, um, to lose like they did. We're going to talk about all of that and more in this episode. First, a few things to get to, though. Credit to Kirk Castle on the intro. The song is Chances. Find Kirk Castle anywhere you listen to music and go check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash five stripe final. We talked to Jeff Lerinowitz the other day and he was almost more negative than we normally yeah, are. Right. Uh, <laughs> he was, uh Oh <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. It was a great interview. I thought it was actually one of the best conversations that we've had about Atlanta and I with anybody, but it's all those conversations always tend to happen with Jeff because he's so kind right. of open and honest about everything that he's feeling. So, uh, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I would highly recommend if you're not a, a patron, um, you know, pay the whatever, however, the five bucks, at least for just for one month, just to hear that thing. Cause, uh, it was a really good conversation. Also have a few other interviews up as well. The doctor episode is out when increasingly relevant, even still today, yeah. where we talk to a, a specialist about Achilles injuries, ACL injuries and the recovery process from that. If you just need an extra dose of, of bleak in, in your Atlanta United <laughs> outlook on the world, also a whole bunch of other fun things as well. Training ground reports, video review uh avril lavigne conspiracy theories yes. because i'm saying thanks to everyone for donating to charity bowl it's been it's been it's been a heck of a run here on patreon.com slash five stripe final y'all go check it out and join the world famous five stripe final discord all right joe patrick let's, let's get to it let's do the world famous sad business time jingle I just like slow it down and like <laughs> right it's fun <laughs> oh boy sad business time joe patrick and guess what we've got to talk about more injuries more Yay. more more they just don't stop andrew gutman out two to three months with a quad tendon injury. You have tendon capitalized like you're posting something angry on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Message board ranting style capitalization <laughs> there. It seems to me like the tendon is actually like a worse version of like a quad. Like normally when you hear a quad strain and you're talking about, you know, similar to a hamstring strain, just like some sort of tear within the the larger muscle. And the quad is like one of the biggest muscles uh, in the body. There's your anatomy lesson for the day. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said that, uh, but the tendon is actually like kind of closer to the knee, to the joint where it meets the knee. So seems bad, seems worse. I don't know, <laughs> but it's going to keep mm-hmm. him out for two to three months, which I think is uh, worse than what nor- a normal like quad strain would be. So, um, yeah, that's pretty brutal. Everybody probably knows about that one already because that one happened about a week ago. But the, obviously the more relevant one that happened in this Columbus game was Ronald Hernandez going down in the first minute and it was kind of to even just add to the misery of it all, it was kind of like friendly fire where he and Bobby Shuttleworth kind of collided into each other and Ronald Hernandez got bent over and uh, they said they couldn't even really examine the knee because there was so much swelling, which is just awesome. Um, Sarcastically, of course. So um, yeah, so that's going to be bad. So now they're down on, they're down Gutman on the left. They're down, Ronald Hernandez, who was filling in for Gutman on the left, they have Brooks Lennon. He's like the one surviving fullback this team has. And uh, Caleb Wiley has been injured with an ankle injury, but he's going to come back and 
he uh, better cut his toenails because he's going to be running a lot and playing a lot <laughs> over this next month, month and Are a half, two months. That the, the, that he doesn't have proper hygiene. Bear. No, I was just I was just always told that once my freshman year of basketball practice, the coach told us to cut our toenails because we were about to start running like crazy in practice. And um, I don't know. I always say that now for some reason. <laughs> but uh, and I never understood. I like I'd never th- I've, I never had issues when I ran in high school uh, with with my toes and I didn't have I wasn't really keeping up with this my toenail length. But uh, anyway, fascinating. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. So it's just something um, that stuck with me. But anyway, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're not you're not putting enough respect on, on Mikey Ambrose's name. I don't think he played oh. 39 whole minutes, Joe Patrick, <laughs> before he got subbed out after being subbed in. I think. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, um, a little little bleak at it's, fullback right it's now. It's weird that I mean, so I think that he got subbed out because Gonzalo Pineda was just throwing all the attacking players he could possibly throw out there. Um, because Ambrose has played like 720 minutes. He's played 90 minutes in eight games so far this season for Atlanta United too. So it's not like fitness was an issue for him in this one. Um, and quality is an issue, <laughs> which is something that I think we're going to talk about a little later. But, um, I, so I have a question for you, Sam, and you know, sure. we'll both give our answers to this, but with all these injuries now, um, who like it, it, the summer window is approaching July seventh, I think is it. Uh, so that's in about a month. What would be the one if you could pick one position that you need that you could acquire to reinforce? Center back, fullback, goalkeeper. What are you picking? I assume it would be one of those. Maybe it's not. The most difficult thing about it is you have to make. <sighs> Short-term decisions with long-term consequences. Right. Right? Because if you're bringing guys in for for just this year, they probably aren't going to be all that good. Right. Right. But if you bring in someone long-term at center back, you know, uh, Miles is going to be back eventually. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're taking a risk there, potentially logjamming that and causing issues. The two positions where I think you see uh, the most long-term openings, right? Is it our goalkeeper and some kind of six, some kind of ball-winning eight mm-hmm. midfield position, right? Mm-hmm. If I had to, to pick personally between all that, uh, well, it's tough because clearly the gap at goalkeeper has become a chasm. Yeah. <laughs> it's extremely, yeah. extremely weak while midfield is just mid right yeah so uh, it, it's tough to decide because we've talked about it before goalkeepers don't necessarily have that much of an impact relatively relative to other outfield players and mm-hmm. mls <laughs> i'm rambling here because I, I, i'm struggling and you can kind of see well, the process here but I, yeah. I, I think so much of it depends on who they can get out too yeah Definitely. i don't think this team is going to be the same as far as the roster goes by the end of the summer, in my opinion. I think people are going to be gone. Yeah, I think they're almost kind of forced into making some changes, um, even if just for like the optics. I mean, again, you never want to, you know, the old cliche, like we're not going to make a move just to make a move. But at this point, if you were to like stand pat during this transfer window, it would kind of send a message to fans that you're like kind of giving up or just kind of 
succumbing <laughs> to all the these injuries and we're back to posting uh punting gifts on on twitter <laughs> right. like we did in 2020 yeah for every single move they made yeah for me though it's it's it would be a goalkeeper because i feel like that is the one position and you were just alluding to it there sam it's the one position where you really can kind of set a long-term plan in place just this offseason as devastating as it would be for for brad guzan and and hats off to him for kind of sticking around and being a very vocal person still at the training ground and even on match days in the locker room talking to players and stuff uh, I, I think that with his age and the injury and how the injury his the Achilles injury relates to playing the goalkeeper position where you really need to have those springy jumps and be able to reach the corners and stuff I think that that's one where you can say okay we need to we're going to need a new goalkeeper starting goalkeeper going forward and this might be an, a, a time to acquire one especially when you look at you know Bobby Shuttleworth we've talked a lot about his saves or lack thereof. And uh, I think he's got like close to like a 50% save percentage where like teams, you know, he's faced like 21 shots and given up 10 goals or something like that. So that's a pretty terrible, a pretty terrible rate. Um, but also I just feel like if you get a better goalkeeper, who's a little, who's better at commanding the box, you can actually mitigate some of the issues that we're seeing with the set pieces. I feel like he has not been, nearly as kind of dominant as he needs to be in terms of coming out and claiming balls in the air and just being decisive in some of those situations. And I feel like that is uh, an area where a veteran proven goalkeeper could really help you. Which one? I have no idea. I have no idea what the goalkeeper market looks like. Um, Very hard to judge goalkeepers externally, but that's where I would right now plan to uh, devote resources just because you can put something in long term. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I think I agree with that. The, the long term prospect of it just simply means you can get more quality in. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's a tough position. Uh, again, I think. I think if I think me and you, if we both had our way, it would be a, a somewhat uh, not chaotic transfer window, but an active transfer window for Atlanta United. So Mm -hmm. we'll see. I I imagine a few things come in. And I just wanted to just add one more little bit to this, which is not about the the transfer window necessarily, but uh, Caleb Wiley and George Campbell, when you, when you, before they started playing kind of regularly in the first team, you plan it out in your head and you're like, Atlanta United is going to be doing amazing. They can just delicately come into the team every once in a while to perfectly you know, div- you know, uh, progress their development at a, at a perfectly scalable rate and uh, and everything will be great. And now <laughs> these two players are being absolutely thrown into the fire and it's like swim in the swim in the middle of the ocean or die or sink. Um, which <laughs> and, and your only life preservers are Alex Dijon and Mikey <laughs> Ambrose. <laughs> it's not going great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe it'll be good for him. Who knows? If they if they if they live <laughs> to tell the tale, then it will be good for them, I guess. But um, yeah, these guys Long are term, sure. they're going to get a lot of playing time. And Long Caleb term, Wiley is sure. seventeen years old. I mean, that's it's. Whew. All right, Joe Patrick. As bleak as business time is, we we might have to move into something bleaker here. Oh no, this is sports. <laughs> Sad sports prime game time. I messed around the other day and recorded a sad Sports Prime game time jingle uh-huh. just in case. Nice. And it's <laughs> going to come into use today. <laughs> Was that sad clair- Sports Prime? Yeah. Sad Sports Prime game time. 
Sad sports prime game time. Joe, Patrick, uh, and first, first and foremost, uh, I guess we have to mention once again that you can't teach tall. Can't do it. No. Can't do it. You, no, you apparently can't. can't teach like reacting to things in the box too. But you, you definitely can't teach tall. No, you can't. Uh, that was an absolute calamity. What happened in the first minute there? Gonzalo Pineda was clearly upset. He doesn't really show his negative emotions too much in press conferences. And that was as upset as I've seen him. And honestly, for him, it wasn't even necessarily just about the set piece. It was about the fact that Atlanta United started with the ball in that game and immediately turned it over and got countered <laughs> to give up the, the corner kick itself and just put themselves in that situation. And he's like, like they weren't switched on. They weren't ready to start the game. And that's just become all too common for this team. Um and I don't know if it's too early to kind of get into this, but I, I do think that the team will go to a back three to get George Campbell in there for the tallness. I think like the, you can't teach tall, but you can try to insert all the tall players that you have. And uh, I think that by adding George Campbell, in addition to the, the two center backs that are already out there, that gives you some defense in, in better defense in these situations. But I don't know what else to say, to be perfectly honest about these set pieces, because it's like, it's kind I mean, of wait, what unexplainable, can you say? right? Right. Like if we could say anything that was like, oh, just do this. Right. Then, you know, we wouldn't be podcasting. Right. <laughs> right. We'd, we'd have right. real jobs. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's just frustrating <laughs> to watch over and over again. It, it, clearly, everyone involved knows it has to be fixed. But when you're, you know, height deficient, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle every time. Yeah. So if you're not going to go out there and, and react and and fight for things in the box you're gonna get burned over yeah. and over again um, and, and it kind of brings me to just this idea that i've kind of talked about shockingly a lot i think this year and it's a kind of a, a central tenant of how i assessed lafc over the last couple of years and i'm bringing this up again but it just kind of keeps coming up for me that despite the the xg and everything like that which is steadily improved for Atlanta United. I, mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but they're, they're top 10 in unexpected goal differential right now, which is kind of wow. hilarious. <laughs> they kind of are who they are defensively, though. Yeah. And that's just it. Even when you're not giving up a ton of chances each game, even when your attack is creating stuff, it's going to be a problem when you're giving up soft goals like that over and over again. And it doesn't really matter the quality of chances. If you're giving up soft goals like that, exactly, because you're just gonna keep doing it. Exactly, you're just gonna keep doing it. It and, is who you are, and that's why. So when you give up, when you've proven to give up these kinds of soft goals, that means that the the value of the goals, the expected goals against you, is really like higher than it is reflected <laughs> right. because you are playing well below the average you're allowing goals that historically don't tend to go in that often. They are going in quite often against Atlanta United. So I think that's one of the reasons why this team's goal differential um, is so different is because they're just getting hurt by chances that really shouldn't be as threatening as they've proven to be against them. And it's something that I've been Mm -hmm. thinking about, especially, you know, we had a great conversation in the discord yesterday about, you know, some of this stuff and, um, 
Do you remember who it is? Because I think we may have talked about this before. This is not my idea, but, you know, in referring to soccer as a weak link sport. Uh, I can't remember the name. But yeah, that's but, the theory that's been yeah, around for forever. Yeah. So it's like it's like polar different to basketball where basketball is like, uh, I don't know what the opposite of a wink link sport would be. But like in basketball, you're driven by your star players and your star player, your best player can like drag the team forward as to where in soccer you can have a lot of attacking talent, but you're kind of only as good, quote unquote, as like your worst player. And you can be um, punished by um, by by those weaknesses. And I think that that's what we're seeing with Atlanta United, where they've got all this attack, uh, this all this attacking threat and they create all these chances and they've spent all this money to bring these players in. And then they get punished because they have they're just lacking so much quality at the back because they've suffered so much uh, in injuries this year. And, you know, to be fair to to some of the um, fans who um, complain have been, you know, irritated by all this, they were giving up bad goals when Bragg's Amazon goal, when Miles Robinson was at the back. So um, there is that. But, uh, you know, when you're playing with Alex John and Mikey Ambrose at the back, has I, I don't want to be like too harsh against those guys, but I feel like it's something that has to be said because it is impolite like it's not like a it's not an easy thing to say nobody wants to kind of put it out there publicly to be harsh on an individual but at the end of the day these are not like kind of well especially ambrose is like not like a uh, an mls kind of right <laughs> caliber player. Not, this isn't the role they were asked to be in or what they were paid to be in yeah. right like yeah. this is it, it's not to be harsh it's just to to look at you know what's happened to this team from an entry perspective and to say obviously this was not even the the c plan this is like we're we're on plan like g or h or something at this point yeah uh, especially defensively and so it's just going to kind of keep being that and teams are going to know right oh yeah nashville looked like it was their game plan totally right all you have to do you sit in a low block you let them take their chances right like Atlanta's going to get their chances because they have enough talent in the in the final third to to get decent chances but if you sit in that low block they probably aren't going to break you down and you're probably going to get a soft ass goal or two and mm-hmm. that's going to be the entire season from here on out are y'all ready <laughs> <laughs> and hey I just singled out kind of Mikey Ambrose and to be fair to him he wasn't even on the field when that first goal was scored that corner kick was scored um and mm-hmm. so i think you can make like a similar argument against a player like Alan Franco who is like we think of as obviously a much better player clearly an mls starting caliber player potentially you know one of the uh, a good mls center back but he has this glaring weakness of defending balls in the air and so you can really teams can go after that weakness they can really attack it and it doesn't matter really how good he is in possession and helping the team build up and all that. If he can't defend in some of those crucial situations where goals are on the line, then is he an overall positive for you? Probably not, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying that you need to like replace him and he needs to be out of the starting lineup or whatever, but you've got to um, just try to put him in a better position to succeed that would help the team. And I think I've even considered like, would he be better like at right back or something? Cause I do still believe in <laughs> Alan Franco's ability on the ball. Like I think that he was some of the things that he does on the ball, some of the passes he makes, there were even a couple in the Columbus game where people were like, Ooh, like when he like made a pass. Um, but like, what's it worth if you're just allowing balls to sail over your head and for allowing easy headers. 
And, and his underlying numbers reflect that. We keep having like a running joke in the Discord. I think um, Akshay will keep bringing up mm-hmm. Alan Franco's goals added, which continues to be very, very impressive. And it's largely down to his passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of the fact that goals added can't see Alan Franco not jump right. balls. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, there, there is talent there. And I, you may be onto something with the right back thing. Hell, Franco Escobar did it for a bit, right? Yeah. Um, so it could well, I, maybe I don't I, know. I think they're going to go to a back three. So I'm, I'm like pretty certain they're going to go to a back three, especially when you have to bring in Wiley. You don't want to put like full left back responsibility on him. So I fully expect this team to go into a back three, which I think is the best position for Fran- Alan Franco. That's when we've seen him play at his best when he's played at a, as a right sided center back in a back three. We've had our we both have you know had our issues with this team when they've been in the back three they get a little bit stagnant they get a little bit pushed back um but i i think that that's what they're they're gonna do because they got to figure out some way to solidify back there so patrick who who are the wing backs in this situation i think it's going to be uh brooks lennon and caleb wiley as the wing backs okay oh so okay so we get caleb back healthy that, yeah, that yeah, does make I, sense it to me. sounds like he's going to be back hel- it sounds like he will okay. be back and available for the next game because I mean, for this game, it was who? It was Ronaldo Cisneros. Yeah, it was Ronaldo Cisneros <laughs> <playing> back. <laughs> that's like full FIFA. Like that's exactly what yeah, you do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's fast wing back. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Easy done. Yeah. Um. Oh goodness, man. Like I said, I'm worried we're we're going to be stuck, not only in analytical purgatory, but just team-wide purgatory as far as the way other teams approach this group and and how it all kind of plays out on the field for a while and yeah and it's partly due it's largely due to the injuries i think which brings me to something that we kind of need to talk about and this is something i kind of hinted at at the the top of the show but joe patrick we are we are 13 games End of the season. Does does that mark mean anything for you mm. in, in particular in the recent history mm. of Atlanta United? I think I remember Gabriel Heinze's career ended at Atlanta United through 13 games with 13 uh, points. Yeah, with 13 points. Jeff Patrick, how many points does Atlanta United have now after 13 <sighs> games? 16, I think they're on. 16 points. Yeah. 16 it's points. Not, so not that much better. After, after that miserable start last year, the that got a coach fired. United has been one win better. Uh, probably about the same goal differential, I think, too. It's a zero goal differential right now for Atlanta United. I didn't go back and calculate like United's goal differential through 13 games last year. I think it was uh, just about I think even. it was. I think it was like I think it was about even, though. It was like something crazy. It was like 13 games, 13 points, 13 goals, and like 13 allowed. Something like that. It was like something, <laughs> right. something really weird. <laughs> It's an extremely unlucky number uh, collection there for <laughs> yeah. Atlanta United. Maybe that's why they decided to fire him. They're like, man, this is so unlucky. We should just. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to get to that, right, we have seen increasing frustration with Pineda on the Internet. We get questions about it in in our replies. And then I think even some frustration kind of growing in the, the normally very sane discord. Um, we got to talk about that, right? Because. Obviously, with Gap, you know, we need to reiterate that there were so many other things that led to him not keeping his job, mainly being a jerk. That yeah, was the right. biggest one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, in addition to playing much. Can we like at least definitively say this has been way more interesting soccer to watch than whatever the hell was going on? 100 percent. First 13 games 100, last year. 100 percent. Yeah, definitely. Right. Definitely. So uh, bonuses in, in Gonzalo's favor. Right. 
here's where I'm at. Uh, all considered, I think, yes, there are potentially some criticisms uh, to, to have about Atlanta's inability to find a tactical identity, right? And their ability to execute in the final third. That being said, right, I think there is more blame to go around for the injuries, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously being the big one. Mm -hmm. And the roster construction as well, not really being tailored to any particular identity to kind of set in place, right? So when you kind of mix in that fact of like Atlanta has played the same lineup maybe twice this entire year at most, right? The DPs have all played together for like 45 minutes or something like that at this point, which was this 45 minutes Mm -hmm. in this game, right? Um, When you take all that into account, it's really hard for me to, to blame Pineda in any way. And you know what? I'm simply willing to give the benefit of the doubt to the guy who treats people well much more than I am to, to Gabrielle Einze or, or even a Frank who was just kind of strange. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So it, I think we pumped the brakes on that in, in a big, big way. And even if we like chalk this up as another year zero for Gonzalo Pineda, I, I think you, you stick this out almost no matter what. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I think you're, you're kind of strapped in and, um, it it is just so difficult for him. And remember, this is actually, you know, this is he's still very early in his head coaching career. He's you know, not even a year yet. Yeah. Yeah. So he's still learning things, I'm sure. And this is not to say that like every decision has been right or, you know, he couldn't have done made better tactical decisions and setting up the team or whatever. Um, there are degrees of, you know, quote unquote blame for everybody, you know, I'm Gonzalo mm-hmm. would would certainly say he, you know, should have done better in some situations. You know, Carlos Bocanegra, there's probably a degree to which he could have, you know, there the team could have been better suited for some of these things. Although this injury crisis really is so, like something I've never seen before ever mm-hmm. in sports. Um, and, you know, I'm at the point where it's like. I feel like we don't talk about the players enough, just kind of not doing the job that, you know, they're they're supposed to be doing and things that it seems like they should be doing on the field. And so the players take a lot of blame, too, if we're trying to figure out, you know, who who is to blame for mm-hmm. where things are right now. Um, yeah. And to be clear, I don't think anyone's committed a fireable offense this year. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's just not not where I'm at with this situation in particular. Yeah. Same. Right. I, so it's, it's, so this team, by the way, I just want to kind of like recapture where we are right now. This team has won one of its last eight league games. Oh God. The last win was against Chicago, that four, one win at home. Can you remember, can you remember the, the last win before that? This is, does not include the six nothing win against Chattanooga FC. Oh my god! So it was before um, that. Uh, it wasn't Montreal. It was DC. Yes, it was. Yeah, wow. wow, that was a great pull. The game where <laughs> Ozzy Alonso got hurt. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> that was so. That was on. There's uh, been no moment of joy. <laughs> that was April second. That was. Nearly two months ago. Goodness, man. 
goodness. So right. it's been bad. I mean, it's been I, I totally get why fans are upset and the table reflects that. The good news for Atlanta United and all this is that the East is so messed up and these teams keep beating up on each other that you're actually like not that far out of things. Um, but having said that, it's it's kind of tough to see this thing turning around in a major way super quickly, just given right. some of the issues they have is seen, you know, especially these injuries. It's just going to be very difficult going forward. Well, let's let's real quick. I'll just recap. Um the <laughs> shit i'll just recap um kind of where we're at with the east just to kind of give people an idea of what we're dealing with right um essentially like there are <laughs> just a few really good teams there are, essentially you can put four teams kind of into the good category right it's nycfc philadelphia montreal red bulls mm-hmm. then there's one team who's been unlucky but is pretty good and that's cincy Right. Yep. And then there's Orlando, who is frauds. They're fake as shit. They aren't very good, but they keep <laughs> kind of pulling out s- certain results. And after that, it's like a total toss up. Right. It really is. It's essentially leaves you with two or three open spots is what I'd call them mm-hmm. in the East to where, you know, uh, those spots are going to be playoff spots available to literally anyone from five to 14 right now yeah so this is not this is not a, a total end of days scenario for Atlanta United where they don't make the playoffs right that being right. said <laughs> i think we've made a lot of jokes about this being soundersy you know <laughs> yeah i am increasingly less confident it's- in that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's hard it's hard to see that again give especially the injuries i mean it's just tough it's tough they need George yes. Campbell to be really good. <laughs> That's basically what they need <laughs> at this point. Um, again, we think moves will be made. I don't know if those are going to be enough to salvage everything because we don't quite know how much roster flexibility they actually have. We don't know how much interest other teams have in players that might be movable pieces like an Alan Franco, like a Marcy Marino. It's, uh, it's going to take some work, though. It's not all over, but it's going to take way more work than expected it's going to take us way more work than expected to get through your questions here in just a few moments after this quick break well done sam well done uh before we get into the questions did just want to remind everybody that this episode is brought to you in part by lucid fc who's the presenting partner of five stripe final lucid fc is partnering with american sportswear giant champion to reinvent some classic classic athleisure looks Mesh shorts and heritage T-shirts are now available in store and online. New releases this summer from Lucid FC every Thursday. So set your notifications for Thursday. You'll see some new stuff on Lucid FC's web shop at lucidfc.us. And when you go to lucidfc.us, use DSS as your shipping as your uh, promo code for free shipping within the United States all season long. Or you can visit their shop, which is in Buckhead. It's open by appointment and walk ins from one to eight p.m. daily. It's located at thirty two oh nine Paces Ferry Place behind the Whole Foods. So thank you again to Lucid FC for presenting this episode of Five Stripe Final. Lucid has a as a brand new Atlanta United jersey on their site. I'm oh, seeing. Yeah, it, it's uh, it just says pain on the front. <laughs> So, <laughs> thanks, Lucid. That's good. Good synergy. Love it. Good synergy. Um, 
<laughs> Hopefully it won't be too painful getting through these questions. Let's see. We'll start with Well this done again. Nick. That bagel's paying off. I, look, I carbo-loaded before this just to make sure I had the energy to get through <laughs> these transitions. Nick says, heave, sigh. What should the realistic expectations at this point in the season be? And to add to that, John Mason asks, is this actually what is known as doing the Sounders? Are we all being overly dramatic? Uh, the Sounders, in the, in the years they did make these second half runs, did have injury issues at times. That, that was a part of it. It's a part of their slow starts. Um, they also like found ways to bring in like Nico Ladero. <laughs> you know right yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, it, it's tough to say that that lady night is going to have a similar luxury and you know with the, the nature of the injuries that we're having the season ending nature of those injuries it's really really tough to see the sounders narrative kind of play out um yeah what is playoff spot usually about 45 to 50 points not quite really on pace for that right now i think it's very close it, It'll be interesting down the stretch, but don't be surprised if this team doesn't make the playoffs at this point, right? I think that's maybe the realistic Definitely expectation possible. considering the the injuries. Um, I mean, let's re- let's remember that after Gonzalo Pineda was hired last year, Atlanta United actually, I think a lot of people forget this, but Atlanta United points-wise, I think they were like either first or second during that time period uh, when Gonzalo Pineda was manager last year. That was doing a Sounders. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah, right. it was. Um, and uh, and they barely, not barely got in, but I mean, they didn't host a playoff game. So they're going to need some sort of similar turnaround. And to your point, Sam, with the nature of the injuries being season long, makes that much, much more difficult to be able to have that kind of a turnaround. So um, you never know. I mean, maybe, again, George Campbell could step up. Caleb Wiley could prove to be a revelation. Um, but it's going to be very difficult. And I do wonder when we talk about this transfer window, whether you, you being Carl's book, Negra, Atlanta United's front office would be willing to part with a player in order to give yourself some room to bring in a player that you think you need to have that turnaround. I'm specifically thinking of, you've got so many attacking players. Would you be willing to sell one of them? Um, what about Santiago Sosa, who clearly there mm-hmm. clearly there was a market for him prior to Atlanta United um, bringing him in on transfer. He hasn't really kind of found a space so far this season in the team. Just I think a lot of that is injury induced. But, um, you know, the midfield kind of seems to be settled right now. Maybe he's a player that could be looked at. Uh, I wonder whether there is there are players who could still be departing. Because I know there was obviously a lot of uproar when Jake Mulraney was um sold off to or, or traded to Orlando prior to the previous transfer window closing. Um, I wonder if there might be more of that just to kind of give themselves some more room to operate. Well, what's your realistic ex- expectation at this point? All For this team, I mean, I think the realistic expectation is to to make the playoffs. I mean, again, you yeah. pointed out the the kind of four teams up top. It's really hard to see yourself breaking into the hosting a playoff game part of the Eastern conference. Um, but I would say you should, you could still look forward to trying to make the playoffs. And, and again, because it's playoffs, you never know what can happen once you get in. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Pierce asked for a letter grade for this uh, part of the season, given the circumstances. 
That's a tough one, considering the circumstances are hot trash. I would give it like a C. Like a C. Yeah. Like a, but it's, like C's get degrees. Really I'm not sure if there's like a degree coming. I, I don't know. It's difficult. It really is. Yeah. I almost feel like you have to divide the grades into like the different aspects of the team. I would give B's to Pete. This is going to make people irate. I would give a B to Carlos Bocanegra, if not an A, maybe. Like, I, I really think that this roster was like incredibly well stocked <laughs> coming into the season. Um, even like the signing like Ozzy Alonso was universally applauded by everybody, us included. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, he goes down, changes things. All these players who have been lost, you lose one of the best. American center backs, you lose obviously your captain and Brad Guzan, uh, who I think we're starting to see how losing him really is a loss outside of just whatever he gives you actually physically at the goalkeeping position, just in terms of him being an organizer, him being kind of a leader. I, again, I know we kind of under we overlook that um, a lot of times because we're kind of more analytical, but really is important and i would give um i would give a, a relative uh, like a b minus i guess to, to gonzalo pineda so far this season and i would give like a d to some of the players you know like alan franco <laughs> has been yeah. really really bad um some of the players have really disappointed so far this year and it's been the, it, it, the onus is really on them yeah i think that's all fair i think it's all fair i i, I like your b grade i think for the front office as far as this goes i mean i i obviously have my thoughts right about how to how potentially there could have been a better route to make the team more cohesive and get a few guys maybe more willing to run in behind and everything like that but I'll consider mm-hmm. I think this would be a team would be you know talking about their place in the eastern hierarchy right with some of the other playoff teams if, if everyone was healthy you know um, if anyone was healthy <laughs> So I, yeah. I think that's all extremely fair from you, Joe. Uh, Philip Jeffcoat asks, injuries aside, how long does the FO or Pineda get a pass before the heat comes? The team still has seems to have no identity or idea of what they are supposed to do on the pitch. Uh, again, I, I think we've said it before. This all kind of feels a little harsh given the circumstances. Not totally inexcusable. Just kind of harsh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think this team sort of has an identity, honestly, but because they have been one of the better teams at kind of maintaining possession and, and you know, some of their attacking movements are pretty clear. But it's very, very frustrating when you give up the goals that we've been talking about on this episode, because it throws a lot of that out of whack. It throws a lot of your game plan, your game model, as, as Gonzalo Pineda would say, just kind of throws it out the window. And I think that this game against Columbus was a perfect example of that, where in the second half, they were just throwing everybody out there. Like you said, Ronaldo Cisneros at left wing back, two strikers, <laughs> like just everything because you were just that desperate. So, um, I mean, I in terms of like giving a pass, I... Yes, I guess I do give a pass <laughs> to Pineda and the front office. I mean, this is just like unprecedented what's happened to them with the injuries. And if anybody doesn't get a pass, it's uh, it's some of the players. Uh, speaking of those players, Nolan Smith, not that one, I'm assuming, uh, says, will we be able to bring in meaningful replacements that can change the tra- trajectory of the season? And Bart asks, how do we bring in players to remedy this situation without mortgaging the future? Is now the time to sign the true 
future number one. I, I kind of wonder how much it's going to take to to sign a goalkeeper of the caliber we're potentially talking about, right? Because mm-hmm. to some extent, right, like we've said a million times, you just you don't want your keeper to lose new games. Right. Just keep everything steady at the very least, yeah, right? Right. If right. you're on like 150k a year, or whatever in MLS, that has not been the case. Uh, it, it's very clear that things are actively kind of disintegrating at the back with Shuttleworth. There, it, it just hasn't been good enough. Yeah. It just hasn't, right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, just be yeah, league average. Far- just be league average back there. <laughs> exactly. So maybe he, uh, maybe there's a chance to get a temporary replacement in. This summer that can be, can be league alone. average, and then, yeah. yeah, and then think about maybe a, a bigger signing in the off season when you have a clear picture of what this team is going to to look like once people kind of get back from injuries, if they ever get back from injuries. Um, but there should be there should be room to make replacements, considering that that your condam is off the books. Considering that I, I guess Ezekiel Barco will likely be out of the way mm-hmm. uh, as far as that goes, and. Um, <laughs> that's still kind of weird isn't it we haven't even talked about that how he's kind of got that loan going on um but that's a longer much more nerdy conversation <laughs> yeah and um, uh, eric lopez too is just and eric of, lopez like, too is making a lot one, of money yeah. just kind of floating out there um you know uh, as you were talking i was just thinking maybe the solution at goalkeeper is to bring in a player on loan potentially from like a premier league team because you feel like backups or like reserve keepers you know they need games. Those teams would ideally want those players to get games that mean something. Um, and the only reason I say the Premier League is just because it's English speaking. Um, but maybe, you know, that maybe that doesn't even really matter that much. But maybe that would be an option for you to, to bring in somebody. Zach Steffen, come home. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that would be mm-hmm. amazing. That would be incredible. <laughs> is that legal? I don't is that is he still connected uh, to NYCFC in any way? That's a good question. I don't actually or, know. not NYC but, or yeah. Well, or, he was with Columbus well, obviously, but um yeah, it all, now it all he's gets kind of really cluttered up and N- start yeah. thinking about it. Nah, <laughs> yeah. Let's not. Let's not. Um look, we think changes are coming. We just don't quite know the mechanisms that, that they'll come through uh, mm-hmm. because it's MLS. Cuz it's MLS. Henry Aguida says the team seemed to have a total lack of ideas and creativity, especially in the second half. The entire time was the same play. Lob bowl over the top. They have neither the legs nor the height to reach. Is the key to beating ATL just scoring early? Yes. Helps. Or just sitting in a low block the entire time and waiting to score later. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be a bear. Uh, I think this team has the ability to break down a low block at times, though, in a way that I think past Atlanta United teams may be have struggled with just in the sense that like Almada is good enough to play that incisive through ball at really any time. And and that's going to be a huge part of the season going forward. It looks like. Yeah. That's the problem when you give up the first goal is that it allows the other team to sit in a defensive posture. And when they sit in that low block, it becomes harder to play through the middle and like slice them up, not easier, you know? So that's why you see teams in those situations keep reverting to playing those balls in from wide areas and it's so funny because i remember we've mentioned on the show before but tata martino during his time there was one time where they lost a game or something it was one of these kinds of situations where they'd gone down and um and he was like we didn't get the ball in enough we need more someone was like should you have crossed less because they had a bunch of crosses like no we should have done it more (laughs) like we just need to keep on applying the pressure of you know putting in crosses um and just hoping that you can get something because it becomes very difficult to disrupt a team when especially on a two goal lead 
when they're just purely sitting in two banks of four super deep in their own box, basically, and just forcing you to do that. So, yeah, it's not entertaining soccer when that happens. And I think that that's also a reason why it was such a frustrating game to watch and just kind of unenjoyable because that's what it resorted into. It also makes just any transition opportunities you can get and makes them all that much more mm, important. Good point. Right. Yeah. If there is any point where the back line is unsettled and, and maybe running back towards their own goal, you got to take advantage. I mean, any any ball stopping, anything like that, it's not going to work. So if Atlanta has to take a more direct approach and transition, which they probably should have been doing anyway for the most part, right? They need to find a way to get that done uh, because there just aren't going to be that many opportunities where you're not facing two banks of four, I think, at this point going forward, at least for teams that are they're smart about it, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. Uh, we'll see. Chris H says, what do we think of Pineda's change of formation in the second half? Seems like a desperation move. Is it possible he's feeling heat? And would that heat be warranted? Y'all are like bloodthirsty. Damn. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, the formation change is certainly interesting, but. I'm at the point, like, what else do you do you know, right. with all the injuries? I mean, yeah, it's hilarious that Cisneros was a left wing back of all things. But what else do you do? <laughs> there was I mean, Caleb Wiley was unavailable for this game. I don't, he was not on the bench, I believe. So, um, yeah, there was really no one else there. Um, and you just had to figure out something. So. Yeah. And to be fair to him, like it's not like Columbus was really doing anything in terms of trying to counterattack you in the second half. So he basically just put on <laughs> George Campbell, just kept on winning the 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 punted balls out of Columbus's half. He would just nod him down to a midfielder. I forget who it was that was, that was out there. And then they would just kind of build their attack back up. But yeah, I don't know what else he was supposed to do. I mean, he was trying to do everything he could to get his team, you know, back into the game, score a goal and. It, they yeah. were really applying the pressure at the end there. It's a kind of unfortunate that you weren't able to see that level of desperation, maybe even a little bit earlier, as risky as it may have been. You were already losing by two goals. So literally just yeah. throw everybody up there. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I know I think it's, the it's a goal kind of scared them. Yeah, right? probably. You're probably right. Because yeah. like because that's they, pretty much they, exactly they got how that happened. The one time. Yeah. 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 That was the, so, on that uh-oh. Hurtado goal. OK, for, you know, Dijon with all of his. um you know, limitations. He did a decent job in terms of like holding up that play in a, in a ideal world. He would be able to hold that play up long enough to where then another covering defender could come in and support him and help take care of that situation. Of course, then that doesn't happen. And he kind of falls over because he's not really a one-on-one defender. That's kind of the exact situation you would want miles Robinson to be in. But um, yeah, you're right that they were probably worried about getting caught out in that kind of a situation. It's tough on Pineda, man. Like, this is just how people feel. So this is <laughs> that's just the way it is, I guess, um, when the team is in this kind of situation. But honestly, for me, I don't see like any heat on him at all, to be perfectly honest. Like, they're not going to they're not going to make a move, nor should they. I, I think I think Gonzalo Pineda is a good manager who has done a lot of good things with this team and this club that aren't necessarily evident on the field, like on game days, just in terms of culture change and things like that. So yeah, it's a tough one for him. I think people maybe underestimate how broken things were. Yeah. Yeah. Like really, really broken after going from the disaster of 2020 with Frank into 
the insanity of Einze, you know, mm-hmm. that it takes time to repair all that. You know, it, it, those kind of things can set a club back a couple years. It, and we're kind of seeing that timeline right now, to be totally honest. So I don't know. I think some patience is, is warranted. There, like we see it. Sure. We see it at trainings like, you know, the trainings are competitive, really competitive. And you'll see Gonzalo Pineda out there, you know, being really active within the session in terms of giving instruction or motivation <laughs> or, right. or uh, you know, criticism at times like he does it all. He's, he's just trying to get the best out of his team. And you also see some of the bonds that players on the team have with each other when they're out there or even like after the training sometime. Who was it? We, there was like a group of players that were just like out there tanning the other day. It was uh, like Gutman and the John yeah, just Gutman like literally like sunbathing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course, needed it. Damn. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's um, y'all calm down, y'all calm down. I will point out though, I will point out that Jeff Patrick, we talked about Atlanta United only being one point better than they were last year at this point, but this is the second straight year that Rob Valentino has taken over as Atlanta United manager in the 14th game. Mm. Could be a sign for the could, positive. Could be just right? what they need. Could be. Just what they need. Before we get into rapid fire, can I add a question that nobody asked and we haven't talked about? How do you sure. think Joseph Martinez uh, played over the 45 minutes or whatever? Something about Joseph Martinez. Make up the question. Um, the only point, a reason I want to bring this up is I did want to say, I just want to kind of relay this to fans. After the game, he was like both. He was sitting at his locker. Both knees were iced up. That's probably pretty normal. You know, well, I mean, it's not normal for the rest of the players, but for him as of recent, whatever, you know, we all know the issues that he's had with his knees. I would say that, you know, when he was asked to get question to answer questions and thank you so much, Joseph, for for talking to the media. um, The way he stood up was like an old man getting out of his like rocking chair or something. It was like the he was definitely like kind of grimacing and slowly standing up again. It's the first game he's played. He was not anticipating playing the 45 minutes. I asked him if he was like, I was kind of curious as to whether he was like offering like at halftime, like put me in, I'm going in, I'm determined to be in this game. And he basically said that he went out to warm up thinking there's no way I'm going <laughs> when this, at the start <laughs> of the second half. And then he found out that he was, so he was willing to do it, but he was not expecting it. So um, just wanted to throw that yeah. out there for how he was kind of feeling after the game. There are worse times to do it right before a international break. Yeah. True. You know, so you can get a few extra minutes and then and rest up over the next couple of weeks. And, True. And continue getting healthier. Continue True. getting healthier. Joe Patrick, I, I think that this will still will be <sighs> <the> transition. <laughs> this will be they'll work him hard. I mean, he'll get a couple of days off, but he, he they will work him hard because uh, he needs. Yeah, the, you need to get fit. You get fit by by working hard, not by resting necessarily. So, anyway. Joe Patrick, we're going to work you hard right now in I knew rapid you could do it. fire. Got the transition back. Michael Biederman asked, Guzan is a few weeks post-op from a terrible leg injury. How many attempts would it take for you to score a PK against him right now? Uh, one. One. <laughs> so long as I don't miss the goal, this? I think I could probably score. Look, PKs are, are such a random thing anyway. Like, even if you put me up against, like, a healthy yeah. goalkeeper, I'm getting, like, one in five. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah definitely. I think so. Right? Yeah. If you just kick just him as hard as like, you can. Look, yeah. Yeah. Like it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, cool Mike B from NYT. We're going to get so much shit about that. I know. Cool Mike B from NYT. <laughs> you so said since it. Pineda- <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, since Pineda got a red, do we get a new manager bounce energy? 
the next game. We may like like I said, like I said, 14 games, Rob Valentina takes over. This is the formula now. I love this vibe. United. I love this vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh Akshay Swearan uh says uh what breathing exercises do you recommend to achieve zen while watching bad soccer i like square breathing that thing where you uh breathe for four seconds hold it for four seconds breathe in for four seconds hold it for four seconds and just continue going around the square that's my favorite anxiety thing jeff patrick what about you Mm. sit in a dark (laughs) room as dark as you can possibly get and just I don't know, like not in terms of the technique, but just focus on the focus on the breath. Think about the in and the out. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> I like what I'm talking that's about. Like, that's that's some good headspace stuff there. Uh, Henry Aguida says, "How do you tall? And is it possible to learn this power, Joe? You're pretty tall. You're like what six feet? I'm not How tall. Do you do it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm six feet. That's not it, tall, Patrick. That's not tall at all. I have a have a I'm, six I'm foot two. I'm only five eleven and three quarters. So oh, that's a good way to <laughs> do it. We need more six foot two dads out there. Yeah. Get on it, dads." Um, how do you feel? Uh, uh, how do you feel about getting nominated again? Nominated for what? <laughs> well, I mean, you, you have the you have a couple Tony Awards. You've been nominated for a few Emmys. <laughs> <laughs> you really well, have look, to thank it, the Academy. And, I and, mean, well, it, well, in, in this show, you you get to be very funny in this part. Uh, burlesque is a big <laughs> element of the play, but then you get to turn around. <laughs> And break the audience's heart. It's it seems it seems like a rigorous job to do eight times a week. Yes. Yeah. It's it's demanding. Well, speaking of those demands, do those demands and rewards of this project inform what you do next, or will you look for something kind of different? I'm I'm exploring my options. I'm exploring my options. Okay. I have no Good. I have no idea what's going on. The world is spinning right now. <laughs> Uh, okay, wait, hold on. Okay, sorry, I mixed up the rapid fire questions with with questions for for Tony Award winner Nathan Lane from USA Today. <laughs> Shit, I hate it when this happens. Okay, that was rapid fire. <laughs> Jeff Patrick, anything else before we before we get out of here? No, don't forget about the Jeff Lorenowitz interview. If you haven't heard it, it's definitely worth uh, worth the the price of um, hearing it because he's brutally honest, M- more brutally honest than. <laughs> I expect him to be, I guess. I don't know. I think he feel, still feels like he could go out there and play central midfield for this team. He totally could, and well, I hope he plays in the media game. He said he got an invite. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Mm. All I right. hope he's Patreon. on my team. <laughs> exactly. Patreon.com slash five. Subscribe. Final. Y'all go check it out. Uh, all right. Let's get out of here. Bye, y'all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece.